Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We will be concluding this series on spiritual growth today, I believe. <laughs> um, we are going to be looking at the final category, and that is the fathers or the spiritual parents. With the Apostle John now saying in 1 John chapter 2 verses, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 because there is a, a small bit in each of them. In verse 13, the Apostle John says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. And then in verse 14 he says, I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Now, we have come to the place where while the little children know the father, the young men know the word of God, the fathers or the spiritual parents now know Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, and may I add, him crucified. You know, we like him as creator, we don't like the crucified part too much, because we don't want to be crucified with him, <laughs> even though the Bible says that, okay? Like the Apostle John, the Apostle Paul was a true father in the faith. And why he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. I'm going to read this from the literal text. The Apostle Paul says, Yet indeed, I count all things to be sheer loss and a detriment for the all-surpassing excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, he has just finished, if we were reading the verses prior to this, he has just finished going through all of his accolades. Okay? <laughs> Uh, being a Pharisee of the Pharisees and everything else, uh, because he was, he was being challenged by the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the time about his authority. So he says, you want to know my authority? You want to know the sort of person I am? You say, because you're a Pharisee, you get to say all these things. Let me tell you where I'm coming from. And uh, so he goes through a whole list of things. But then he gets to this stage and he says, you know what? What I used to think was so important at one time, now... I look back on it and I think it's just all useless. Isn't that interesting? And I want you to notice what he is comparing it to. He says, I count all these things to be sheer loss and a detriment. The reason he says detriment is because sometimes all the knowledge that you have get in the way of God trying to lead you somewhere. Because he knows so much more than you. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've, have you heard the saying, a little knowledge is dangerous? I think that's what happens, especially when you think you know everything and all you know is a little. You become dangerous, <laughs> okay? Because then you think you know enough to make decisions for yourself. And as God is trying to lead you places, you're going, you know, you got the yes but constantly happening all through the conversation. Why? God can see so much further than you. He is trying to lead you. You can see up to here and you're making decisions based on where you can see up to. Amen? So you, you have no idea what's beyond that. And that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says, that's to my detriment. It was getting in the way. So as God would try to talk to me, I, you know, I would go back and think, yes, but, and then go through all the reasons and all my wisdom. And God's going, yeah, but you don't, if you, see, we would make better choices if we had the knowledge God had. Can I say that? If we, could say, if we could see the whole board, we'd go, oh, yeah, of course, this is not a good idea. But we can't. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight, because we can't see everything. Get it? <laughs> okay? If we could, we'd make better decisions. So, you know, God is sort of standing up there, kind of like a, one of those little mazes. 
It's almost impossible to get through one of those mazes if you're in the maze. Because you don't know what, what's where. All you do is, you know, you run into a, a block here and, a run, and you just think, oh, well, this looks good. And you, when you're looking down on it, have you noticed when you're looking down on it, you think, oh, going, even though the end is over there, going in this direction is not going to get you there. I actually have to go back first, come around that way, and then I can get out over there. Are you all with me? That's, that's why the Apostle Paul says, what I think I know is a detriment to what God is trying to do in my life. Are you all with me? All right. And this takes maturity. This comes after a couple of years of, or many years of, <laughs> yeah, but I know better God. You know, I, I, I know I came to you for guidance, but I will consider your opinion. And then you go on. <laughs> okay. You know, he doesn't give you an opinion. When, he, when you go for guidance, that's what he gives you. Guidance. He will tell you, go in this direction. Turn left, turn right, go straight. Amen? And you just do that, it will work. Hallelujah. Alright, so, he's, again, this takes maturity. This is when you get to that place where you, you, know, you think, okay, I, I know enough to know that even though I may be feeling one way, if God is saying do this, then we're just going to do that. We walk by faith. Amen. Alright. So again, let me read this again and continue on. He says, Yet indeed I also count all things to be sheer loss and a detriment for the all-surpassing excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all these things, and I am still counting them refuse in order that I may gain Christ, and therefore what he means is full maturity. Now I want you to know this. This is something very interesting that he realized that he had to leave all of this stuff behind in order for him to press forward into knowing Christ. Now there's a great truth in this because the Apostle John is going to do something very interesting following this statement and he is going to start talking about don't love the world. Don't get attached to it. In, in fact, you know what? Let me just go forward and read that. We're going to be looking at this next in verses 15 through 17. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So you can see that the Apostle John is going to move on to the subject of don't get attached to natural things. Don't get attached to the wisdom of this world. This world has a certain wisdom to it. And it doesn't come from above. Can I say that? Amen? What you want is wisdom from above. And that's what the Apostle Paul is now beginning to realize, or had realized by this time, that his wisdom was of the world. Was in fact a religious wisdom. Which is, this is when it gets really dangerous. When something is religious, it sounds like God, but it's not. Are you all with me? Amen. And so, and that's the reason why you, we can always sort of get caught up in that because we think it's God. It sounds like God, and yet it isn't God. It it's a wisdom that makes sense because that's what you've been taught. 
And the wisdom of God doesn't make sense because we don't know too much about this. We haven't been taught this. Amen? Understand something. God, you know, isn't in favor of stupid people. Can I just say that? Because, you know, sometimes people think, oh, that's what you need to do. No, no, no. He wants you smart, but He wants you smart in the things of God. He wants you smart in the truth. Not what is true right now. Do you all understand the difference? See, we are, this earth is in a progressive revelation. You know, we, we will, you know, science will insist one day that things are like this. And then after that, they'll change and go, no, things are not like that anymore. And they'll laugh at you for believing the thing that they told you you have to believe. Isn't that funny? That if you didn't believe this that day, then you're stupid and you're, you know, you're just out of touch and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ten years, fast forward ten years, and if, you, if, you're, if you're still that person standing there believing that, they'll go, what is wrong with you? That stuff isn't true. Isn't it funny? Ten years ago you were insisting that was true. Amen? So don't get caught up in that. Because there's a truth that never changes. Do you hear me? The truth that's contained in the Bible will never change. If you believed it ten years ago and you're not believing it today, we worry. We are a little concerned, <laughs> you know, because what you should be doing is when you come, when, when you are believing the truth, all you can do to it then is add to it. Amen? And get wiser and smarter. Amen. Okay, moving on. So he says here again, uh, let me go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, and he's talking about the legal righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God and rests or is based on faith. So not only does he want God's wisdom and knowledge, but he also wants God's righteousness in his life. These are some of the things that as parents or spiritual adults, we need to learn. See, knowledge is one thing. We know that's a big thing. But righteousness is another big thing. Because, you know, as we grow, we sort of get to the place where we think, you know, we're kind of good. You know, we're, we're, we're better than we were before. We're, you know, we, we're doing the right thing almost all the time. And you get to a place where you almost kind of, you want God to be like, go and tell me I'm really good. I'm, I'm going really great. <laughs> Compared to God's righteousness, you're not doing so well. And that's the problem. And he understood that as well. Remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, they kept the law like nobody else kept the law. You all here? <laughs> you know? you, 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 while other people excused certain behaviors, they didn't. While somebody would say, well, you know, it ain't a sin to look. They wouldn't even look. Boys, you know what I'm talking about. Girls too, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? They were that strict. That's what a Pharisee of Pharisees is. Okay? <laughs> all right? I mean, they were... So, but understand something. He realized that all of that stuff was still his righteousness, not God's righteousness. See, God's righteousness is very different. God's righteousness looks into the heart of things. It isn't so concerned about outward appearance as it is what's behind the appearance. You might dress holy. What are you hiding? 
know? Okay? Or you might dress holy. Who are you trying to impress? That's a big one. You know, some people dress holy so they can impress people. Look at a holy person. Oh. If you did it for that sake, then you know what? God just looks at you and he's not happy. Because you're dressing to impress. If you're going for a job interview, by all means. But <laughs> you know what I mean? This is life. Amen. Alright. And so... He's talking about a righteousness here. Now again, he says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, a legal righteousness. Remember, we're talking about uh, spiritually mature people now. Okay? He says, uh, but that which is through Christ, or through faith in Christ. So, this requires faith. The righteousness that we are to walk in, the one that is of God, requires faith. You need to believe. You need, because, can I just say this? The, the biggest, one of the biggest problems that we have is we base how well we're doing on how we feel. <laughs> you get that? So if we feel like low and unhappy, then we think we are, you know, just bad and terrible. And, and if we got, you know, if we're on a spiritual, like not a spiritual high, if we're just on an emotional high, then everything is good, man. All is good. And you might just about be fall, just about to fall off a cliff. You're on the edge, dude. <laughs> you go, yeah, I know I'm on the edge. No, <laughs> no not that kind of edge. Your children fall, okay? <laughs> you know? the, the thing is, our emotions don't dictate how well we're doing. One way or the other. And the Apostle Paul realized that. He realized that he can't go based on what he does or how he feels or anything else. It's by faith. Amen? And so that's something else that if we don't learn to do this, then we'll never push the boundaries. Because one of the biggest things that the enemy uses against us is, I keep saying this to you, I'm going to say it again. What makes you think that you can do this? And you say, nothing, it's God in me. And to that he has no response. But if he can keep you thinking about you and your righteousness, checkmate. You won't go any further because there'll be something he'll pick up and say, but remember. And you go, and I walk off, defeated. And God in you is going, oh, what about me? So what we need to do is trust in that. And I, you might say, yeah, but what if I did do something wrong? Oh my gosh. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, if we acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. End of story. It ends right there. You don't have to carry it around. You don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to walk over hot coals. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Amen? I mean, that's it. You confess it. You acknowledge it. You're there. Keep going. Why dwell on that? See, as soon as you do that, you're back into His righteousness. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. I got one over here, but I didn't get one over there. Okay. <laughs> Alright, again we're talking about things that get in the... These are what defines a spiritually mature Christian. They know not to lean on their understanding. They know not to lean on their righteousness. And look at what it says in verse 10, that I may know Him. Okay, which the literal text says, and have a meaningful relationship with Him. A meaningful relationship with Him. 
Do you all know what that means? <laughs> okay? A meaningful relationship with him isn't, oh God, I, I sinned again. Sorry about that, God. Okay, see you till the next time I sin. And I have to come and talk to you. <laughs> okay? And that's just not a meaningful relationship. <laughs> okay? Don't only go to him when you sin. He goes, because then every time he sees you, go, okay, he did something wrong again. What's it now? Because that's the only time you ever come to God, you know, when you mess up. Isn't it interesting? If we go, go to God before we, you know, regularly, we won't mess up. Because he'll talk to us. But see, this then goes back to step number one. We think we know better until we get in trouble. Amen? And then because of the things that we do wrong, then, you know, our righteousness gets a little shaky. And so we think we don't deserve things from God. Are you all with me? And so it's a downward spiral. And mature Christians, parents, okay, fathers, mothers, okay, in the Lord, know not to do that. That's one of the lessons that you learn. So when you get to that place, you understand that you don't know everything, that you go to God for everything, and also you know you're not as perfect as you think you are. <laughs> okay? That you need to, you know... Go to him. If ever you even think you did something wrong, just go to him and say, sorry, I think I did something wrong, so sorry about that. And he'll let you know. And you know your, your, your slate is clean all the time. So that the devil can't ever come to you with the, what makes you think. You reply, 1 John 1, 9. Amen. Alright. So notice again, this all leads to that I may know him, have a meaningful relationship with him. And the power of his resurrection, we don't understand that the literal text says, the power that comes to believers on the basis of Christ's resurrection. Do you get that? See, there is a power available to us because of his resurrection. Because of his resurrection, we received a new creation. That new creation came with power. Are you all with me? Amen? And that, we're going to look at that uh, in just a moment when Jesus tells, says, you know, and these signs will follow those who believe. Signs require power. Can I say that? Amen? Alright. And so he goes on to say, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, people want the resurrection power, but they don't want the sufferings. Now, before you start reading into this stuff, that religious people have told you, let me clear it up for you right now. Are you all awake? This is one of those times to say, if you're asleep, stay asleep. If you're awake, okay, that's good. Okay, don't wake up in the middle of this. All right, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this suffering isn't everything going wrong because God is trying to teach you something. Did you all hear that? Because people, things go wrong in their life and they think, well, God is putting me through a test and a trial and all of that. That's not that suffering. This suffering is something else. This suffering comes because you're doing the right thing. And the devil hates you. And he is doing everything to blow your house down. That's not just the three piggies and the wolf. Okay? <laughs> you read in Matthew, okay, chapter, I don't know, 24 or whatever. It talks about the, oh, chapter 7. talks about the person that built their house on the rock. Okay, And the storm came to the one that built on the rock and on the sand. The storm didn't come to the one that built on the rock and go, Oh, well, there's no point being here. I'll just move on to the guy. <laughs> there's one on the sand. Let's go get that one. Doesn't happen that way. It just comes to everyone. The devil hates everyone. 
Can I just say that? Amen? And so you need to understand that regardless, we, let me just go back for a minute. We need to understand that when we do what is right, don't expect things to just work out all the time. Because if you think that, then you get upset with God that anything went wrong. Because you were doing a good thing, and what happened? What is this? <laughs> okay? You know, when we, when we look at the New Testament, they were preaching Christ, and then they got taken away and beaten, and no angels turned up. They came later on when they were in prison, I would have said, where were you when I was getting beaten? You were a little late between the lunch break. <laughs> you know? Have you ever thought about stuff like this? You know, seriously. Can we, can we just be, be real? Because we'd be complaining. We'd go, no, go away. I don't want to see you now. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. <laughs> Receive your deliverance. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we need to understand this. We need to get this, that this is the suffering he's talking about. Do you know Why? Because the people that were beating on them were also made in the image and the likeness of God. You know, it becomes a problem when we have God's kids fighting God's kids. It's a problem. That's when you go through sufferings. You're here. Because God is standing there going, you, you know, to the person that's doing the wrong thing, wake up. You're going to be judged for this you are, you are persecuting one of your own brothers and one of your own sisters in the Lord. Stop it. You all with me? And, and how many times can we look back on our life and think, wow, thank God God didn't give up on us when we were doing stupid things. Can I get an amen on that? Oh, you're all saints over here. Okay, <laughs> Okay, we thank God for that, don't we? But isn't it interesting that a lightning bolt didn't come down and wipe us out when we did that wrong thing? Would have made the person we were persecuting very happy. <laughs> okay? But we wouldn't be here today. Are you all with me? That's the suffering you go through. Do you get it? When people that shouldn't be doing bad things are doing bad things to you. And God has a problem with that. Because He is, he is long-suffering, waiting for people to repent. And who knows, one day there could be your best friend. That's happened. Amen. Are you all with me? Do you understand the suffering now? Alright. That's a part of the suffering that you will go through. Because we are in a fallen world. Not because God is testing you and trying you. Because we are in a fallen world. Can I just throw something else out here while I'm here and just messing around in this pot? Let me just say this. Anybody that says that God is, is uh, testing you and trying you by making... you know, Just say for example, Andrew is being really mean to me. Which he doesn't. Okay? So, which is why I'm using this example. Uh, Say he's, he's being really mean to me. You know, if I sort of say, well, Andrew, you know, is being mean to me because God is trying to teach me a lesson. Then, can I just say this? God should reward Andrew for acting contrary to his word. Because after all, I'm learning a lesson. So he should be rewarded for being horrible and mean and terrible and beating me and... And, and shooting my tires out and what? Okay? Rolling over my cat twice. You know, whatever, three cats I have. Okay, <laughs> we're down to two now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Do you see the, 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 the flaw in that thinking? 
When people say, oh, that, you know, that person, God's just testing and trying me, then they, what you're saying to me doesn't make sense now because you're saying that God is going to bless somebody that did the wrong thing so that you could learn a lesson. That gets very confusing after a while. So let's not go there. Amen? Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I meant to finish this today. So he, <laughs> he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now you know what that means. Being conformed to his death or being changed more and more because of his death. That's what that means. Because he died, it allows us to change. It allows us to grow. It allows us to go from glory to glory. From strength, strength to strength. From faith to faith. Not from misery to misery. Not from suffering to more suffering. Do you understand? It's, an, it's, it go, it's upward, not down. Amen. And he goes on to say, If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So notice here again. So let's just do a, a, a recap here. Notice, unlike little children whose main concern was getting to know the Father and having their needs met, and young men and women whose main focus was the Word of God and defeating the devil, when it comes to fathers or spiritual parents, their highest priority and greatest desire is to know their Savior. Identify with His suffering, death, and resurrection, all of which require a tremendous amount of maturity. We get all of that? Okay. And the way that this maturity presents itself is in, in an attitude of intolerance for sickness, disease, poverty, failure, and everything else that belongs to the curse that was done away with on the cross of Christ. So this is one of the things as a, as a mature believer, you get to the place where you're not just defeating the devil. See, your eyes turn from those things that are coming against you and defeating them to how can I defeat those things in other people's lives. Do you see the difference? Okay, so the, the, the first thing, so, let me take you through this journey. Okay, we're coming to an end, so let me take you through this journey. So the first thing is, as, the, as, as a child in Christ, we need to, and I told you we don't go from one thing to the other, we add things, okay, to each other. The first thing is, we learn about the Word of God. It's so exciting. We learn about God, and we finally realize we don't have to work for ourselves anymore. God will look after us. Amen? That we don't, have to we don't have to plan our way. We don't have to work everything out. God will give us a plan. Just spend some time in the Word with Him, and He'll talk to you. And He'll dress you. And He'll feed you. And He'll take care of you the way you want to be taken care of. And, and you know, there's excitement. You, you find things in here that you think, my gosh, I've been carrying all this weight around. And, God, and the Lord says, come to me, all those are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I won't give you more problems. And it's like wonderful. So you're in, this, you're in this kind of heavenly glory cloud thing. <laughs> okay? Where you just, you know, you're, you're six feet off the ground. You just, woo, hallelujah, praise God. All this weight's been taken off you. Because finally you let go. And God's got you. And God says, I've got you. It's okay. You don't have to worry anymore. And so we become secure in that. And after a while we think, this is great. Do you want me to do anything for you? He goes, well, we do have an enemy that's coming against so, oh, You know all the problems you've had? Now let me show you who that is. Go, well, because now you're strong. When you're rested, you become strong. You become focused. And so you think, where is he at? And 
and, and, and God says, sick him, he's over there. So you go and get him, you know, I mean, you take the word of God and you beat him and you go, where is he? Is he hiding again? So you sort of go from defensive to offensive. You are now growing into a young man and woman. But remember, you're still excited about this stuff because it gives you more weapons. It gives you more stuff to attack the devil with. So don't ever lose that excitement. So you've got two things going for you now. Amen? You've got that security. You've got that knowing. You've got that excitement. And now you've got some weapons in your hand. And woohoo, you're learning how to use them. You're getting better and better. You know, now you don't just sort of hack away. Now you kind of, ooh, got it right. Yeah, right there. Die slowly. No, <laughs> okay? You know, you know well, you're in that stage now. And then we move on to the next stage. And the next stage is this stage where you start to realize, hang on, this isn't all just about you. There are people that need you. What you've learned, what you can do now, isn't just for you. Amen? And so you look outward and say, hang on, I know how to look after that. I had that problem in my life. Let me pray for you and let me stand with you because I've got the faith for you to get that too. Because I've got, I've got the faith for you. You want to do this? Now don't tell him, well, if you don't have the faith, then I'm not going to pray for you. Of course they don't have the faith. Others don't have it already. Huge revelation. But did you get that? Okay, that's the reason you're there. And you need to, you know, sometimes we need to give people our faith. You know, you know how you do that? You say, listen, if you, even if you don't think you can believe this, know that I'm believing. I'm standing with you and you will get this. Amen? And you know what? When they have a couple of victories in their life, they'll go, Woo! This really works! Now they're on board. Hallelujah. This is apparent now. Get it? Because you are coaching them through things now. You're getting them excited about things. And you know what they're going to do? The same thing. Whatever you teach them to do, they'll do that. And they'll look for somebody with a problem and they go, let me help you. And if it's too much for us, I still know some of this other guy over there. You know, the one that started me off. <laughs> you know? and there's more of us. And so it gets bigger and bigger. Hallelujah. Are you with me? That's what parents do. They're always looking to help. They're always looking to bless. So, because they gain an intolerance for things going wrong in people's lives. And you can't ever get that if you think that God is testing and trying people. You'll never get to that place. Are you all here? Alright, so I've said, in fact, it is this intolerance accompanied by faith. I need to finish because I've run out of time. That allows us to do what Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. And that is, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. I'm now on Mark 16, 18. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, this doesn't mean you go around looking for deadly things to drink. I've heard stories. Okay, it says, and if they drink anything deadly, people out there, I tell you, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So I want you to notice the things that are going on. Notice the first few words. And these signs. This is not everything. These are just some of the signs that will follow the believer. Amen? Because I said this to you before. Jesus said, you do these works and greater works. 
So, but this is how you know you're getting there because these things will start happening. When you see these things, remember how Jesus said uh, regarding the end, end of uh, the age? He says, when you see these things, those are signs of the end of the age. Well, these are signs of power in your life. You see these things and you go, whoo, something happening. Where's the devil? Where's the devil at? (laughs) (laughs) Come here, you look like you need prayer. No, no, I don't want prayer. Come over here. No, (laughs) okay, (laughs) don't do that. All right, so (laughs) to conclude, Simon J. Kistemach, let me finish with this, addresses fathers or spiritual parents and ties everything together and looks ahead by saying, John appeals to the fathers and mothers because they have gained spiritual knowledge of and about Jesus Christ. In the course of time, they have come to know Him who is from the beginning. They have an intimate knowledge of God's revelation in Jesus Christ. The Christian community then looks to the spiritual father or mother for leadership, and they in turn must care for their spiritual children. They are responsible to hand the torch of the gospel light to the next generation, namely the young men and women in the church. Amen? Amen. Let's conclude there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father.